1: going to forego our traditional top of the hour ronald reagan intro because i want to clear the decks to get a little bit more time with our next guest seven minutes after the hour 10 o'clock hour number two underway now On the Bob France Authority, thanks for joining us on this Wednesday, the fourth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. I always enjoy my conversations with Jim Jordan, which we just had last hour, and he's usually the biggest name on a given day that he is on with me, but not today. I think better known around the world is my next guest. His name is Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly, of course, is the host of the O'Reilly Report. You hear daily at 12, that's noon, of course, 1 and 2 here on AM 1420, The Answer. Also, the no spin news uh on his website at billoreilly.com and he's also of course a celebrated author bestseller. i don't know how many hundreds of times over but the latest book is the united states of trump how the president really sees america bill o'reilly joining us on the bob france authority bill good to have you how are you sir
2: good bob thanks for having me in when uh... the o'reilly update is thrilled to be on uh... w h k
1: Yeah, it's a great, it's a big hit here, I can tell you that. People are so glad to hear your voice again and to hear your common sense approach to the news. Uh, It has been uh, missing, uh, you know, had been missing for a long time. So great to hear you and see you uh, once again. And and, and so great to see another book. Uh, As you point out, you know, Bill, real quick, I want to start with the book, if I can. You have a 30-year relationship with Donald Trump. You knew him when he was, you know, the the real estate mogul when he was going down, by the way, when he he admitted he kind of hit rock bottom and had to build his fortune back up, then the apprentice and the national celebrity, of course, of, of that before you know, becoming a politician. Uh, you've known him for a very long time. Have you seen him? Let me reask: ask How have you seen him change over the course of those years?
2: Well, it's a complicated matter. Let me just start by saying that we write history books. The Killing Series of 17 mm-hmm. million copies of those books in print. So I am the most successful nonfiction author of all time. with the killing series and we have written a new killing book but about a year ago maybe eight months ago somebody the publisher came to me and said look there has not been a history book on donald trump and we'd like you to write one and at first i didn't want to because as you said i'm too close to the guy i know the guy and i but then i stepped back and i said you know what most americans have no clue what donald trump is really all about, or how he sees his country. And I think that's a vital piece of information to people for people to have in the upcoming campaign. Even if you don't like Donald Trump, and this book is not a pro or tr- or con Trump book, this is a history, just the facts. No anonymous sources in the book. Everybody on the record. And even if you don't like the president, as an American, you should want to know what the man believes in and how he is basically conducting himself, because you're not going to get that from the press, which overwhelmingly hates his guts. So the book is out September 24th, and I think that fair-minded Americans are going to find it very interesting. There's going to be something you don't know about the president on every page. Now, to your question... um, I have uh, an anecdote in the book. When I double dated with Donald Trump, that was when he was going out with Marla Maples. I think it's hysterical, all right? Um, I knew, I got to know him when he was the anchorman of Inside Edition in New York City, and I stayed in contact with him for almost 30 years. Uh, But he has changed dramatically since he has become the President of the United States. Uh, he had never in, in his entire life been attacked like this. His family had never been attacked like this. In fact, the press coverage of him while he was on The Apprentice was pretty fawning. It's pretty favorable, all right? And that's taken a toll on him. He'll never let you see it, but it has taken a toll.
1: Bill, how do you how do you evaluate the press i'll come back to the president you say it's taking a toll on him and i want more on that but I mean you know you you're you 're famous for for no spin um, I, I have never seen a, a press try to spin every positive development in the Trump administration into a negative quite like what they are doing to this man. Why is there so much vitriol and outright hatred as you say i mean the the long knives were out for George Bush, but they treated him like he you know a king compared to what they have done to Donald Trump and his family why
2: because trump didn 't fight back when I interviewed uh... I'm sorry, Bush didn't fight back. Right. When I interviewed Bush, the younger, I said to him, how can you endure all of these vicious attacks? This was during the Iraq war from NBC News and others. When you know that a lot of this stuff isn't true, why don't you just go out and, and set the record straight? And he, and he goes, I'll never forget what he said to me. This was in the Oval Office. He goes, FACTA, I don't care. I don't care. I'm the president. I'm going to do what I have to do to run the country. Period that was his philosophy donald trump fights back and as soon as he started to do that the press got even more vicious toward him he's an outsider they all thought he would lose they he made them look foolish by winning All right, so he made the new york times the washington post look foolish by defeating hillary clinton because those newspapers basically said hey, this guy's an amateur he doesn't deserve the office hillary will roll over and we're going to support hillary well, he made them look foolish. You make the press look foolish, they're going to come after you with a vengeance. So that, in a compact form, is why they hate his guts.
1: We are talking with Bill O'Reilly, who uh, brings us the O'Reilly Reporter, or the O'Reilly Update, each and every day here at 12, 1, and 2 in the afternoons. He is also the best-selling author of the most recent book, The uh, United States of Trump, How the President Really Sees America. How much, um, how much contact do you still have with him now that he's in the Oval Office?
2: I talk to him occasionally I saw him a few weeks ago um, but I try not to intrude if he calls me, obviously I take the call. Uh, I usually give it to my teenage son because I can see the White House number come up on the phone and I say, Spencer, get this (laughs) He goes, Dad, the president
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be quite an experience to hear that
2: Um, And if he calls me I, I obviously respect him and the office and and all of that. And I never, ever uh, make public our conversations because, you know, that's not, you know, he calls as a a, uh, private matter and asks me certain things and I give him an honest answer. I I did that for Hillary Clinton. She called me on occasion. I'll do that for any politician who wants my opinion on a certain matter. I did that to Barack Obama on the on the um, mentoring program that he put together. Uh, my mm-hmm. brother's keeper. Um, so it's not anything uh, nefarious. It's it's I'm an American citizen. If if somebody wants to seek out my opinion and I
3: can help, I will.
1: Bill. Um you said your book is um, its one that doesn't take sides. It's not partisan. You just present what you know about the president, and, uh, and, and all of your sources that you discuss are, are, are named. There's no anonymity, and that's great. But I'm going to ask you, uh, from a partisan point of view or just a personal point of view, how's he doing?
2: I think it's a mixed card. Um, I think he'll lose the election if the economy goes into recession. And there's a danger of that with the Chinese uh, situation, and certainly China knows that they hold that over uh, Donald Trump's head. I think he's correct in trying to get a much better trade deal with China. They steal us blind, and they cheat, and they do everything like that. So he's correct in what he's doing. But the American people are, if you understand how these polls, and I don't believe the polls, but there are certain questions that are consistent across the board. I think they're tired. And I've told the president that. I said, you know, if you're going to have a controversy du jour every day, you're going know, to wear people down. And and so you want to pick your battles. You know, the big thing that Donald Trump is going for him is that the economy surged. And, and the Democrats could say, oh, that's what Barack Obama said it, oh, that's a bunch of bull. It was the corporate tax cut that did it. And it surged, and and people are prospering more than they did under the Democratic president of eight years, Barack Obama. That's the truth. But if that surge stops, then you have just a bunch of small ball issues that are undefined, like the border wall, which most Americans support, I believe, but it hasn't because of partisan politics gotten done. So it becomes much more difficult. The big advantage that Donald Trump has, Bob, is that the Democratic opposition is in chaos, absolute chaos. If you really step back and look at what a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren actually wants, we would go into a depression in this country, not a recession, a depression, if those people had power. Now, most Americans don't understand, they don't care, but I do. And I'm saying you cannot try to have the government run every facet of 325 million people's lives. It's impossible. And that's what these people are trying to do with trillions and trillions of dollars in spending.
1: And that's what they're trying to sell. if you want to
2: collapse the economy, you vote Democrat. I mean, that would be my slogan if I were Trump.
1: Totally agree, and yet that's what they're trying to sell, and it looks like somebody who is of that socialist bent is going to get the nomination. I don't think moderate Joe, and, and I use that term loosely, I don't think he's, he's, he's going to be able to get through this thing when we continue to see what he has done. So let me ask you, um, polls being what they are, and we know how wrong they were in 2016, they show Bernie beating him comfortably right now. They show Elizabeth Warren in the same way. More slight leads by the likes of Kamala Harrison and uh, and Joe Biden over him, do you think the president will be reelected?
2: Well, I can't possibly say, because I don't know how the economy is going to be this time next year, and I know who he's going to run against, but I I disagree with you in the sense that I think Biden will get the nomination.
1: You do? Okay. Yes.
2: And I don't believe the polls that Bernie Sanders is ahead of uh, Donald Trump, or Elizabeth Warren is ahead of Donald Trump. What they do is they stack those questions into places like Seattle and San Francisco. That's the con. Nielsen, the uh, the tabulator of television ratings and radio ratings, does the same thing. They stack into very liberal areas more questioning and more people participating from those areas. It's, a, it's one of the biggest frauds in the world. So that's what you're seeing on that polling business. But as far as Biden is concerned, yeah, Biden's doddering. He's befuddled. But remember, the Democratic machine... All right, has the delegates going to the convention that are not pledged to anyone? Remember that. All right, and so it doesn't really matter. And I think Biden will win New Hampshire, maybe not win um, Iowa, but but he'll win most of them. Mm -hmm. South Carolina, he'll win the primary system, but the super delegates will all go for Biden. The Democratic power structure understands that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren cannot run the country. The money men get that. All right. They don't want them. They want Biden. Biden's easy to manipulate. He's going to do what he's told to do. While the others, they're going to just revamp the whole country into a socialist vision, which, as I said, will cause a depression. And there'll be violence in the streets if that ever happens.
1: Bill O'Reilly is my guest on AM 1420. The answer, Bill, is Twitter the president's friend or is it his worst enemy?
2: Look. You've got to understand that Trump is a man who is not going to take criticism. One of the one of the benefits of reading the United States of Trump again out in three weeks, but you can pre order it, is that you're gonna I'm I tell you who he is psychologically. I'm not shrinking him. I'm not analyzing him. I'm saying Donald Trump is incapable of absorbing criticism, whether it's fair or unfair. I mean, if you go and Google O'Reilly Trump TV interviews, you'll see every time I hit him, he hit me back. I mean, it was back and forth. It was respectful, but he just doesn't take it. So this, to him, is a release, and and he says, look, if I didn't have this, I'm never going to be able to strike back against the New York Times and the Washington Post and NBC and CNN. I have to have this vehicle, Twitter. But the Twitter mob that has grown alongside that industry, is about the most dangerous thing I've seen in America in the last 40 years totally The Twitter agree. mob they don't believe in due process they don't believe in civility they don't believe in anything and they can destroy people very quickly and that is an amazing danger
1: completely agree the Twitter rage mob is a, a problem and let me ask you this one thing for the president to use Twitter to strike back as you say at the New York Times and others who defame him but he uses it to pick fights, too. And most recently, it's, it's at your former employer. Um, Talked about Fox News hiring Donna Brazil, continuing to employ Shep Smith, and, and uh, even uh, took a run at Juan Williams, the, the lone liberal in a group of five people on their panel in the afternoons, and basically said, we have to find a new network because Fox isn't working for us anymore. Is it wise for him to go after the most powerful name still in cable news? You know,
2: that's an excellent question, Bob. Um, let me just put this out to you what you're going to learn in the United States of Trump is that uh, Donald Trump is a very smart businessman I mean probably in the top 10 in this country alongside Warren Buffett and people like that Trump knows that if he goes after Fox News that Fox News is going to quake why? 95% of fox viewers are ardent trump supporters ninety five percent when i was doing the factor conservative americans watch fox at the rate of sixty percent i should amend that watch my program at the rate of sixty percent was sixty conservative it was twenty five um independent fifteen liberal something like that um, that was a breakdown now it's almost Everyone watching FNC is a Trump supporter. So Trump steps back and says, you know what? I don't like Shepard Smith. I don't like Juan Williams. I don't like what they're saying. I'm going to throw a little hand grenade in there, because if I do that and and my supporters stop watching Fox, they're not going to make as much money. That's why he did it.
1: So you're of the mindset, Bill O'Reilly, that when the president tweets what looks like, and I have criticized from time to time, what looks like really, really off the cuff, he woke up in a bad mood, and I'm just going to fire something off, and he's got no filter there, and he's got no advisor saying, let me proof it before you send it, sir. Uh, you're saying most of those are calculated?
2: Almost 100%. I mean, he doesn't sleep. It's not how like he wakes up groggy <laughs> He's a vampire.
1: <laughs> Grouchy. I was going to say, but uh, okay. So
2: in the morning, and and I run you through this in the book, because you're going to love this book, Bob. I run you through the whole tweet process. So in the morning, he starts to watch TV by himself at about 6 a.m., all right? Tube goes on, he sits there, his valet brings him whatever he wants to eat, doesn't eat much, and he watches, all right? And then he gets teed off or he sees stuff he doesn't like or whatever it may be. Then he tweets right there, right from six to nine, three hours. Boom, boom, boom. Once he gets into the Oval Office, his tweets are then vetted by a guy. His name escapes me. I have the name in the book. Okay. And they, they actually go over that. So after 9 a.m., the tweets are vetted. Before 9 a.m., they're not. But Trump never, I mean, backtracks and goes, gee, I'm sorry I tweeted that. Ever. <laughs> he never in his life has he done it. No. And most of the time, there's a purpose, what I call a method to his madness.
1: Bill O'Reilly is uh, my guest. Bill's latest book is coming out, as he says, in three weeks. You can order it now, though. Pre-order it. It's The United States of Trump, How the President Really Sees America. Last question before you go, Bill, and I'm already long in my segment here, but I don't care. Uh, This is a great opportunity to talk to you. Um, you, what are your thoughts on the Deep State? We just saw the Inspector General say that James Comey violated uh, multiple FBI policies by leaking information to the New York Times in order to get a special counsel investigation started against the President. I think we all know where this came from. The question is, is how high does it rise? Do you think that this went through Attorney General Loretta Lynch and all the way to President Obama's Oval Office in an attempt to save his legacy and stop Donald Trump from either winning the presidency or uh, being able to finish a term of it.
2: I write about this in the United States of Trump. It's in the third part of the book. The book's uh, divided into three sections. Uh, Barack Obama had to know, uh, because he was briefed face-to-face, Um, that Russia was trying to intrude in the election. he knew it. He knew it in August of 2016. He chose not to say anything. Could have. Could have gone out. Could have said, look, this is what my intel people tell me. Uh, This is what's happening. It's got to stop. And uh, all Americans should know that the election is under siege by Russia. Barack Obama chose not to do that. Now, I don't know why. Nobody knows why. Very important that people understand that. So then, subsequently, over the next few months, the signal that was sent was to James Comey, to Clapper at the CIA, to all of the people, Brennan, okay, was that, well, the president's not that upset about it. He thinks Hillary's going to win and he doesn't want to royal everything. So let's see what we can find out and we don't like trump so let's spin it against trump and then we'll drop it we'll drop it all right just like comey dropped the uh, hillary clinton thing we'll drop it so that's what really happened and you say deep state it's not that so much of a deep state it's just a partisan state so the people in um, the people in uh washington who work for the federal government they they're all basically of the same social they all socialize, go to the same parties, cocktails, and they think a certain way. And the way is, we don't want this outsider, Donald Trump. We don't want him. You know, we want the, the people who worked their way up, and that, that's what's going on, rather than the, it's not a conspiracy so much as, a, I call it the cocktail party factor, that they know if they come out against uh, the Washington Post or they come out against uh, Hillary Clinton, they're not going to be invited. And they want to get invited, particularly the wives.
1: Are any of these individuals, though, who are going to have been found uh, responsible for leaking and for violating Department of Justice protocol, violating FBI policies, and so on and so forth? And I'm talking about McCabe, and I'm talking about Strzok and Page, and I'm talking about Comey. Are any of them going to jail?
2: It depends if Durham, the uh, U.S. attorney investigating the FISA warrant applications, comes up with they knew that this stuff was bogus. Um, and they put it in the FISA warrant anyway. Washington, including the president, doesn't want to destroy the FBI. They don't want to destroy it. But if Durham, an honest man, comes back and tells Attorney General Barr, Comey and McCabe, Strzok and Page, all these people knew the FISA warrants were bogus, and they submitted them anyway, that's a felony they have to prosecute. it. Yeah, It's as simple wouldn't... as that.
1: And that wouldn't destroy the FBI as it's currently comprised because they are all out of it. They have all either been They're fired or forced to resign. It, bes-
2: it would besmirch the agency. Well, so yes. you got to keep that in mind, that, that, that whole Washington establishment, and Barr is part of it, Okay, they don't want to do that. That's why they let Comey skate on the uh, releasing the documents, um, which he should not have done. They could have prosecuted on that, I don't think they would have won in federal court, but the FISA warrant is way more important than that. So that's what's coming next.
1: Bill O'Reilly, this has been so very illuminating and highly entertaining as well. And, uh, I, th- I you, expect Bob. Uh, I do, and I expect that your book would be described by both adjectives, illuminating and entertaining. Get it now. Get it pre-ordered. I'm going to. I'm very much looking forward to this read even more so after talking with you. It's called The United States of Trump. How the President Really Sees America. Bill O'Reilly has known him for 30 years. If anybody's got more insight into the President, I don't know who it would be. Bill, thank you for coming on. Keep up the great work. We look forward to those daily O'Reilly updates, and uh, I hope we can chat again sometime.
2: Anytime, Bob. Thanks for having me in.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Bill O'Reilly on AM 1420, The Answer. I took some liberties with our clock and spent the entire half hour with Bill O'Reilly. So we got a lot of catching up to do in the second half hour of this hour, the final 30 minutes of the program. So bear with us as we do that, and then I'll try to get your phone calls of reaction on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 10.38 now. We uh, continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Again, a little bit off on our clock because I went a little long and skipped a break uh, so that I could have more time talking to Bill O'Reilly. The O'Reilly Report uh, is uh, daily at uh, noon, 1 and 2, as I mentioned to him, and uh, it's really good to hear his analysis of things. He has known Donald Trump a long time. He disagrees, by the way, with his former Fox colleague. I didn't get a chance to say this specifically to him. But Sean Hannity, of course, uh, on every night at 9, used to be right after Bill, uh, when he was doing the factor, um, all about the deep state. All about the very, very beginning of the uh, deep state and the um, attempt by Jim Comey to get the uh, FISA warrant, knowing that it was false, get it to the uh, uh, FISA court in order to get a uh, search warrant, or not a search warrant, I should say, but a wiretap of the uh, Trump Trump, uh, campaign. And everything that happened after that, including leaking of of information, if not classified, sensitive information to the press in order to get the Bob Mueller investigation started. The entire thing stinks and smacks of deep state. Bill kind of dismissed that. Said, I don't think it's a great big vast conspiracy. He said it's just that Washington doesn't like outsiders and Washington insiders. We're going to do everything they could to stop this outsider from getting in. But he did not call it a conspiracy. I found that interesting. I disagree with him, but I uh, thought it was a good conversation. If you'd like to react, 216 901 Jim has been waiting ever so patiently in Cleveland for quite some time now uh, through that interview and more. Jim, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, hey, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. I uh, just want to give you kudos for actually being a uh, pro-gun guy and knowing what you're talking about. Uh, I wanted to talk about, I lived in Illinois about 20 years ago, and they had something called a firearm owner's identification. And it's, we, go, we call it FOID. So what it's doing is registers the owner and not the gun. And very basically, you can't possess, look at, handle, or anything in, it, in the state of Illinois unless you've got a FOID card. And they issued them for five years. You had to pay for them, but, you know, with everything's going on now, the government should pay for this because the anti-gunners need to put some skin in the game too. But what it does is the very initial time the gun is sold, it's registered to a legal gun owner now if you want to buy the gun for me as a private sale i get your void card and i write that number down now if you go out and you commit a crime with that the police come to me and they say this gun's been used in a crime do you have the gun if you don't have your the the person you sold that gun to void card you're held responsible for the crime in a certain fashion um and I had friends that did this. A gun got he sold it to somebody and the guy went out and found in a crime and the cops showed up at his house and they asked if he sold the gun, he had it, and he supplied the police with the person's Floyd card number that he sold it to and the cops are very courteous and they said, Thank you very much, sir, and they left him alone. It's not a gun grab. So what it's coming down to, and I'm very pro pro Second Amendment. I talked to a lot of gunners, it's registering the owner. And I think this is the way we need to go down this. Um, I don't hear any any people talking about this. I've contacted my um, congressmen, senators, state and and the federal. And Obama knew about this. And he never said a word about this. It doesn't get the agenda of the left. But I think and I think that's what we're talking about as a nation is the person. Are you Bob Francis? allowed to own a gun yes or no and if the government says yes you are you get a little card which allows you to have the ammunition and the and the weapons um and if you're in possession of this without the Floyd card in illinois it was pretty hefty they were felonies they were state level felonies uh but it would work but you don't know how many guns i have um if i'm buying private sales and i don't feel the government should know that anyway it should come down. You to, finally
1: you finally touched on what I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you to finish so that I could ask you something. Okay. You finally touched on it. Um, it. It sounds to me like what you are talking about does play into the agenda of the left because it's essentially a gun registration. Now, they might not know how many guns you own, but because of this FOID, is that what you called it, F-O-I-D? FOID. Uh, FOID FOID card. Yeah, because of this, the government is going to know everybody who does own guns, so that when the inevitable confiscation happens at the uh, behest of a Democrat socialist president that we may elect, uh, they're going to know where to go. They're going to know every Foyd card uh, and every every owner uh, of firearms, and then they're going to come and they're going to search, and we're going to find out how many you do have, and we're taking them from you. I don't want them to know where to look. I don't want them. I don't want to have to be registered. A gun registry is the first step toward gun confiscation. That would be my concern.
4: I agree with you, but it's not. You're not registering the gun.
1: I know, but you are. You are announcing yourself, though, and being forced to. If if this is a law, you're announcing yourself as a gun owner, and and you might not be registering my firearm, but you're registering yourself as a firearm owner. And then all it takes is, you know, the the warrant. uh, And and of course, everybody would have the warrant if there truly is a confiscation or a mandatory buyback. They're going to come hunting into all of your properties, and uh, and they're going to find out how many you got. Now that they at least have your name, that you are a gun owner.
4: But the thing that is, is um I lost my train of thought there. It's not it's not they're not registering the guns, and at that day, I mean I think we all have to be serious. If the government's gonna move against us, our second amendment's not about hunting. It's about an overzealous government, an unjust right. government. Um at that point if they're going door to door, um it's a bad day anyway. And I sort of disagree with you with the Megan um uh Megan McCain. Megan McCain statement. Um, I mean, I'm Second Amendment. I'm a law-abiding citizen. Oh, I know what it was. I'm a CCW thing, also. Right. Carry. So they've got. They know I have some kind of gun anyway. So that's sort of a mute point to me. Um, but I, I think, and I'm ex-military. Um, when if this government came and started kicking doors in, it's going to be bad. Hopefully, we never get to that because. Yeah it's just bad it's bad all well time. you
1: better be careful you better be careful we have any more of these mass shootings which we will I mean let's just be honest we will because <laughs> because we're a free country and people who have guns and even nut jobs uh, uh, they have freedom too and uh, and and there are going to be more mass shootings and as they continue to pile up it gets closer and closer and closer to a Democrat election a Democrat being elected whether it's in 2020 or 2024 whatever it is and you hear them all talking about their their gun registrations their gun confiscations or assault weapon bans and so on and so forth. I feel like you know it's not. I'm not trying to be an alarmist here, Jim, but I feel like uh, the day is not far off when when these confiscations or mandatory buybacks are going to be put in place. So don't you know don't dismiss it as being uh, impossible. It would be a terrible bad day when they come door to door, but I don't think it's impossible given the state of uh, of this country right now with all of the mass shootings and the hysteria that follows them.
4: Have you have you ever wrote a book called uh, Boston's Gun Bible? It's been out for twenty years, probably. Not. But it's written by a lawyer. He started the Free State Wyoming project, right? Uh, and he's a lawyer, but he and he's got a thing in there how to deal with the anti-gunners. This is twenty three years ago, and he stopped he stopped arguing with them on the merits because you can't because they have feelings and not the truth and facts. Uh, the bottom line comes down is this: this guy stated, "How many American citizens do you think are going to die?" If you go for gun confiscation, because gun owners are probably going to stand up, and even if 10 million of us stood up, there's only one million law enforcement in the country. Um, it's not going to be good. I mean, you're going to 50 of the population is probably going to die, and it's just not good. Mm. And they have to understand that also. Um, and I'm a responsible 53 year old federal worker. You know, ex military. Don't harm anybody. Follow the rules and regulations. I shoot groundhogs with my AR-15 um but if the time came you can protect yourself i agree i don't want a single shot um you know this is yeah. we're talking the left stuff here we have to have this um especially in the times we live now uh because it looks like we do have a government and i do agree with you that may start knocking on doors and coming in and confiscating guns And
1: our history, of course, is filled, not our history, but world history is filled with examples of what happens to populations who surrender their firearms. When you surrender your firearms to a government that wants full and total control of your life, uh, and you know we we don't have to go back to Nazi Germany uh, if we don't want to, but um, there are plenty of examples of exactly what happens with a defenseless population against uh, an overreaching government. And you're right, there will be people who will fight to stop that. I think that is very true. Amy has uh, been waiting in Hudson next. Hi, Amy, go right ahead.
5: Uh, hello, uh, Bob. Thank you for this uh, interesting, informative, and educational discussion. I do uh, disagree partially with Mr. O'Reilly uh, when he said that the media lost faith because they were promoting Hillary and she did not win. Uh, I, I believe, actually, their hatred and vitriol against Donald Trump is greater than that. And uh that is that he I believe is the only person who is able to withstand and ho and save America from socialism and from communism because in socialism, pure socialism, there is no private property, and there is no freedom for gun ownership, and there's very little let me let me challenge
1: of- you Amy Amy, let me challenge yes. you for a second here um in socialism slash communism, there is also no free media. Why would a free press, you know, the the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, why would they want to encourage a government? um that would essentially wipe out freedom of the press. We talk about taking away our liberties, the First Amendment that guarantees not right. just freedom of speech but freedom of press. Uh that would be gone in a in a in a communist slash socialist government type situation. Only yeah. state run media would be allowed. So why would they support that? <laughs>
5: I don't have an answer for that. I wish I did, but uh, this morning I heard on the news that Google and Apple were do- uh, the greatest donators to these liberal causes, left-wing causes. So why would Google and Apple, again, they their private, uh, private ownership, why would they support that? I don't know uh, whether it's blindness or...
1: Yeah, I, 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 He's I, don't, I, I think Amy, and thank you so much for your phone call. I think you, you are on to something. I think we probably have to go a little further and examine it, though. Clearly, the press was very vindictive and hateful to Donald Trump during the campaign and since the campaign, uh, and since his inauguration. Bill O'Reilly says it's because he proved them wrong about Hillary. You say it's because they want to uh, bring about a socialist government. I I think the truth maybe lies somewhere in between. It's not just... I disagree with Bill to the extent that it's not just because he embarrassed them and made them all wrong about the election because he beat Hillary. There's a personal animus there as well. I think there's a personal jealousy. And quite frankly, let's be honest. Donald Trump comes across to some... Forget about politics. Forget about the wall. Forget about guns. Forget about the economy. Just as a personality... When he was Donald Trump playboy, you know, jumping from mistress to mistress and party to party and limo after limo and tux after tux, Donald Trump was disliked by a lot of people because they were jealous of him. I mean that very seriously. Before politics ever entered to the, 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 the discussion or the picture here, there's just a lot of people who hated Donald Trump. Braggadocious, cocky, the art of the deal, Trump University. All the, A lot of people just don't like him for his personality. That's just the reality of the situation prior to his ever entering politics. And then this billionaire playboy uh, is going to run for president. Ha 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 He's not qualified. And they just, you know, mocked him. And then he beat them. And it's like, I can't freaking believe this. So I think it's not just he made us look bad because he beat Hillary when we said Hillary would be elected which is what Bill said. I don't think it's necessarily we want to bring about a socialist government, we in the free press. I just think it's we can't stand this guy. We're going to do everything we can to make him, uh, his life a living hell and to undermine his administration at every turn. That's where I come down on it, at least right now. 1051, back with a final segment of Phone Calls after this.
0: Bob France. Here on AM 1420, The Answer.
1: All right, it's 1054. I've got time for a few more phone calls here before the top of the hour. Uh, Really great guest today. You heard from Congressman Jim Jordan in a terrific conversation. Uh, Then uh, Bill O'Reilly. Uh, joined us uh, last half hour for a really in-depth look at President Donald Trump and why he does what he does, how he does what he does as well. Navy man Norm is in Strongsville being patient, as he always is. Good to have you, sir. Go ahead. If you only
6: knew my patience or lack thereof. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you, you give me your best. I can tell you that.
6: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You hit it out of the park, and so did Bill O'Reilly. Uh, the insider's in Washington, and that goes from the... Uh, K Street, the cabal of the uh, business roundtables and the uh, greater uh, Chamber of Commerce, as well as the news media. You're right. They have a personal animus towards Bob, uh, Bob, President Trump. Trump. Right. Yeah. The Donald has aggravated them for years. I mean, yeah, he he was a showman. He was he was like a carny man calling attention to himself. And this really took them off. But what ticked them off more is like you said, is the fact that he proved them all wrong. And he shoved and he stuck it in their face. And he's still sticking it in their face. And they're not used to it, Bob. It's very simple.
1: And, that's true. I, nobody's nobody's I, ever stood up to them before. That that no. is the biggest thing. You know, they they are used to being treating public officials like the pinatas that they want them to be. Nobody no pinata has ever hit back before. And that's what he's doing.
6: I mean, this goes back 50 years. They treated President Nixon uh, with disdain, uh, you know, when he ran against uh, President Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And then when he was uh, elected, they that ticked them off. The same thing happened with uh, Gerald Ford. They made mockery of him, you know, falling down and stumbling. Saturday Night Live had their uh, weekly thing of Gerald Ford falling all over himself. Then they did the same thing with Reagan. So this isn't new, Bob. I mean, this has been going on. But it is new, with President Trump saying enough. I'm not taking it, and my supporters aren't taking it, and they they can't handle it. Yeah, I think that's...
1: I think that's well said, Norm. It's not just, you know, I think it's a combination. Like you said, he made them look bad, as Bill O'Reilly said. He made them look bad by getting it wrong, or, you know, by you know them getting it wrong and by beating Hillary Clinton, and the fact that he pushes back and punches back. I mean, there are multiple factors here as to why they hate him so much. And the fact that as he wins, he continues to rub their nose in his wins, meaning the economic growth, jobless uh, rates falling, all the different things that have happened in this country, deregulation, lower taxes, All the great things that happen, he continues to rub it in their their noses in it, and that makes them angrier and angrier and even more determined to take him down and to take him apart. T.J., next. Go ahead, T.J.
3: Yeah, you know, Bob, realistically, tens of millions of households own guns. Yeah. Now, you're going to ask our police departments across the nation, which are already stretched way beyond their limit, and add them tens of millions of more jobs to go into homes to confiscate weapons not knowing any home they go in, are they going to capitulate uh, peacefully or are they going to violently resist? Right. This is insane. And the only way they could effectively do this, they would have to bring the U.S. military in for confiscation. Now we've really got a problem. This this scenario could turn so ugly so, so quick. And one of your guests, Kurt Schlichter, said it the best the one time on your show. He would rather die on a hot pile of brass then capitulate to this communist left. This is insane what these lefties are doing. Well, to we're come not
1: there yet, TJ. You're right, by the way, but fortunately we're not there yet. That's that's the one thing we can say. You know, it, it could be we could be headed in that direction, but we have an opportunity to control our destiny here. Don't elect a socialist gun grabbing democrat. Keep control of the White House and, and and all of this goes away to an extent anyway. Gary and Bria, I've only got 30 seconds for you. Gary, go ahead.
6: Hey, Bob, would you want to see if you'd uh, become president of our new uh, organization, LGBT?
1: Stands uh, for Liberty. Uh, yeah, Liberty, guns, guns, Bibles, and Trump. Bibles and Trump. Bibles yeah, I've seen the t-shirts. Trump. I've seen the t-shirts. I love them. I Those are those are fantastic. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. It's good to laugh, or good to end uh, on a laugh. <clears throat> By the way... Um, Previous caller almost said you, uh, your, your presidency, and, uh, and mine doesn't begin until 2032. Okay, just so you know, I got a little bit of time here to keep doing what I'm doing. 2032, the France administration will take effect. All right, that's it. All the time we have. Great uh, conversation with Bill O'Reilly and Jim Jordan. Thanks to you for great calls as well. Mike Gallagher's next here on AM 1420. The answer. We'll see you tomorrow.
6: Enjoy the silence.